Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Tech Swamp. We have our host and friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad. Why, hello there. Hello, Caitlin. What up? You know, just membership chilling. Chilling, and of course, myself, Alex. Today, we're hitting you with a 2024 cast for our friends on Capitol Hill. A Hill cast, if you will. We're sitting down with Friend of the Pod and Senior Director for Public Policy, Graham Default, to talk end-of-year funding, privacy, trade, and more policy area predictions for 2020. But first, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. December 26, 1982, 37 years ago this month, Time Magazine awarded Man of the Year, now Person of the Year, to the Personal Computer. The Personal Computer, dubbed Machine of the Year in lieu of Man of the Year, was the first non-human to receive the award since its creation in 1927. The only other inanimate object that has received the award is the Endangered Earth, which was awarded Planet of the Year in 1988. The personal computer beat out some pretty impressive candidates that year, including Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, but for a good reason. According to Time, in 1980, 724,000 personal computers were sold in the United States. The following year, that number doubled to 1.4 million, and in 1982, the number doubled again. And that's all for tech history. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Caitlin and Brad, what are some of the top tech headlines? House Democrats announced two articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump, one count of abuse of power and the other is obstruction of Congress. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has already said that the Senate will not take up articles until 2020. We'll be sure to keep you updated on the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump in future episodes of TechSwamp. Speaking of things the Senate won't take up until 2020, trade. After the House passed the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement to replace the former North American Free Trade Agreement, otherwise known as NAFTA, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told reporters the Senate will take up the legislation after the impeachment trial. USMCA is a rare legislative win that benefits both House Dems and the President, prompting President Trump to call it, quote, the silver lining of impeachment and this witch hunt. Once the Senate does take up the measure... USMCA is expected to pass. We will be sure to keep you posted on the fate of USMCA in future episodes of TechSwamp. TikTok CEO Alex Zhu was expected to be on Capitol Hill last week to take meetings with key lawmakers after recent privacy and security concerns, but he was a no-show. The last-minute cancellation was blamed on an overbooked schedule and the holiday rush, but some lawmakers weren't buying it. Senator Marsha Blackburn took to Twitter to air her grievances, saying, quote, What is the real reason TikTok has canceled my meetings with CEO Alex Zhu? Are they, what are they really doing with your data, and what type of surveillance are they conducting on your precious children? TikTok, you owe us answers. Now, a source familiar with the situation said that the effort to bring Zhu to Capitol Hill was overly rushed, and the company wants to reschedule in order to successfully plan more meetings when Congress is not being consumed by impeachment and other top priorities ahead of the holidays. The FCC recently announced the launch of a $9 billion fund to bring 5G wireless to rural communities. This comes after the FCC's year-long investigation that found their own carrier data was inaccurate. FCC Chairman Ajit Pai said the new fund will help carriers pay for 5G deployments in sparsely populated, hard-to-reach areas of the U.S. or areas in the states with rugged terrain. We must ensure that 5G narrows rather than widens the digital divide and that rural Americans receive the benefits that come from wireless innovation, Pai said in prepared remarks. 
Before we log off what's brewing, here's a 2020 primary update. Senator Kamala Harris dropped out of the race, and Biden, Sanders, and Warren are still leading the pack. The debate on December 19th will include Biden, Sanders, Warren, Buttigieg, Bloomberg, and Yang. And that's all for What's Brewing. Today for our policy deep dive, we're sitting down with friend of the pod, Graham Default, for a look at what's to come on the Hill. Hey, Graham. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, so... Oh, it's like a question. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for having me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> why do I do that? <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I do have a question for you. Um, before we dive into 2020, um, can you give us like the quick end of year wrap up for 2019? So what can we expect from Congress before they leave for the holiday? Sure. Um, I think this week is going to be the last week we're all in session on the Senate and House. Um, and so uh, December 20th is when funding for the federal government runs out. And that's the day you'll probably see um, both the second chamber that needs to pass the spending bill pass the spending bill. Um, the House wants to get done with the spending bill early this week, so hopefully we'll see a vote um, early in the week on spending, and that way we can fund the government. So that's that's the end of the year forecast is really they have to get all this stuff done this week, and the main two things are going to be just funding the government and then uh, impeaching the president. So that's the yeah. third president who would be, you know, having a, an impeachment vote. And Crazy. this is also an extended Historic session, time. right? Like originally they weren't even going to be in session this week and then they've added exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, they added it. Um, they added it uh, because they had they still had stuff to do right. and because funding went until December 20th. And, Got it. Uh, we all know that Congress likes to work right up till the end, mm. right up to the last day that the federal government is actually funded. Yeah. Uh, before they... Finally. Well, it'll be a busy Decide week for Congress. Yeah. <laughs> it will be, yeah. Um, okay, so then moving to 2020, um, what what is it going to look like? What should we be expecting? Well, because it's an election year, and this won't surprise too many people, I think, it will be a slower year. Uh, just so much of the news cycle, so much of the effort of folks who pay attention to politics is going to be invested in the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it'll be the whole year that uh, it'll have increased attention paid to the presidential election. So it, uh, the election itself is going to impact all the legislative activity. And uh, folks are generally fond of saying that not much happens in an election year. Mm-hmm. And so um, the general, the, uh, uh, the common wisdom there is usually right that not, not as much is going to happen. But right. uh, that doesn't mean we don't have a, a agenda and that doesn't mean that a lot of stuff isn't going on there, yeah. there will be lots of stuff to do yeah it seems like privacy is going to come up a lot ccpa's yeah. like implementation that starts 2020 yeah it so it goes into effect right right in the beginning of the year mm-hmm. uh i think they won't bring enforcement actions for a few months after it goes into effect partially because they still have to write the rules that implement the california consumer privacy act uh but uh, also, because I know that they're not gonna, they're gonna give companies just a little bit of time to ramp up to compliance with all the all the requirements in the law. So, nonetheless, it will be a, a forcing action. I think um, it's the first state that has enacted sort of a general privacy reform law, and a lot of different states uh, in their legislatures have tried to follow suit. Mm-hmm. Washington State, um, Nevada passed a law. Um, Did New Texas, York do one? New York is, cons- is considering like a really broad 
a privacy law that that would um, uh, it would it, I think it's the first one that had like sort of the duty of loyalty in there, which is kind of a new legal concept that um, would make companies uh, responsible in the same way that um, corporate officers are responsible to investors. Oh. Uh, so you have to so it's a fiduciary responsibility. Um, and so New York it has this really kind of it does a lot more than just that. That was one of the defining features, I think, of, of the bill that they're considering. But you'll see that reintroduced, and they'll consider that, um, you know, early in the year when, when they have their legislative session. So a lot of states are moving on privacy. Um, and last year when we did this, we sort of yeah. had said that we were predicting that 2019 was going to be sort of also from a congressional perspective the year of privacy. Yeah. And what do we think? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's going to be so hard to do something <laughs> in privacy. I think uh, they made a lot of le- they, they made a lot of uh, progress. I think this year the Senate Commerce Committee on the Republican and Democrat side they each sort of the, on the Democrat side they introduced the bill, so it has a, a a bill number. On the Republican side, they were floated like a draft bill, so they didn't introduce it, but it's it's out there and people are commenting on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't look that much different from each other. The main differences are the Republican bill um, preempts all state laws, uh, and the Democrat bill, although it doesn't preempt state laws, it gives a private right of action for uh, cons- or, uh, aggrieved consumers to bring to bring suits against companies that violate the law. So. Um, those are two kind of lightning rod points that are have generated a lot of disagreement and um, the fact that the bills are out there I think is probably a good sign is people can have push the two sides toward the middle on, on the really controversial provisions. Interesting. So it wasn't the year of privacy yeah. like we thought where we were going to get legislation but we had a lot of stuff happen. Yeah. yeah it still was kind of the year of privacy. Yeah. And you see you know if you look at the bright side and you look at all the progress that has been made. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also uh um, all the headlines that you've seen on the on the negative side yeah. uh, around uh, data breaches and uh, things happening with uh, consumers' data that they didn't expect to happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, all of that kind of uh, I think um, led to the progress that you saw in Congress, even though they weren't able to get to an, a, a final agreement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think before we move from privacy, the yeah. last thing I want to touch on is just, you know, um, at least here uh, at ACT, we have done a lot of work on encryption in the past. I know that that's been yeah. um, sort of talked about a little bit sort of at the end of this session. Do you think that's something that's going to come into the fold in 2020? I, yeah, I definitely do. Um, there was a hearing last week in the Senate Judiciary Committee where almost all the members of the committee came out and um, took sort of a pro-law enforcement stance on the issue of encryption. And what the Department of Justice uh, and the FBI have been asking for is legislation that would require companies to build vulnerabilities into encrypted product products and services. And so um, our member companies have opposed that mm-hmm. all along because, uh, for a lot of reasons, but building in a vulnerability is a really bad idea because you uh, create a, um, a backdoor to encryption that you are trying to keep from bad guys but, only, but give to good guys. Right. And that just doesn't work. If there's a known vulnerability, uh, 
cybercrime is generally a game of odds. Mm -hmm. So uh, people who want to break into encryption will keep trying until they get there. If they know there's a vulnerability and where to find it, they'll get it mm -hmm. eventually. Uh, and so um, it, creating a backdoor is not going to make people more secure. It's not going to uh, help. It's not necessarily going to solve uh, the problems that law enforcement faces right now. There's a long list of issues that law enforcement investigators have with digital evidence. Mm -hmm. Encryption is actually pretty low on the list. Um, so, you know, I, our, our point is look at the other options that are out there to give law enforcement investigators the tool they, tools they need short of creating a vulnerability, which would make everybody a lot, a lot less secure, would introduce an unacceptable level of risk. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure it's something we're going to talk about more going into 2022. So everybody, stay tuned on that. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I think um, we'll definitely see more of it. Unfortunately. Well, let's move to something a little happier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. From privacy to connected health, there are some really exciting things happening in this area. It's a, a policy area that's really growing in popularity. So, right. what are some of the legislative priorities there for 2020? Yeah, there, there's a lot of activity taking place right now. Um, the Connect for Health Act was reintroduced not too long ago. Uh, it's a bill that would waive all the geographic and, and citing restrictions on reimbursement in Medicare for telehealth services. And telehealth is just when you have a conversation with your, with your physician uh, or your clinician um, over live voice or video. So it's sort of like, uh, it, it's like a doctor's visit, except you're doing it from um, from a remote site. Uh, you can't do it from home in most situations, and that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Connect for Health Act would uh, uh, remove sort of the disadvantage for um, virtual visits in the reimbursement uh, process. Yeah, and um, the Cures 2.0. And Cures 2.0, yeah. Uh, is that this what we're is. Calling it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh>. Cures 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to trigger anyone, but. <laughs> well, I so, think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like one of the interesting things is that, you know, Cures, OG Cures, yeah. hasn't even really fully been implemented yet, right? Like there are still things that are happening. Yeah, it's um, the, the the 21st Century Cures Act. It was enacted, I think it was 2016. Yeah. Okay. And and so uh, it, it does take a while for all. It was a wide ranging uh, piece of legislation that took on everything from uh, information blocking, which deals yeah. with, with electronic health records and whether or not EHR companies are uh, keeping people from accessing, you know, their own their own healthcare data and being able to transfer it to, to other com companies. <laughs> and then all the way to, you know, how does the FDA regulate software as a medical device? Yeah. So it took on a lot of stuff and for that reason, you know. You and there were milestones associated, sort of. Yes, yeah. that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, Meaningful use is one yeah. of those. Um, so that's coming yeah. back. So it's good. Well, it's it's a uh, the the two um, on the House side, the two main sponsors of the initial Twenty First Century Cures Act, have just floated out um, a request for information. So they've asked stakeholders to comment on uh, creating a or drafting a, a cures the sequel. I like that. Cures the, the sequel. sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Cures two, the sequel. Um, <laughs> Cures two point And so they're they're asking, you know, what what could what remains to be done? Uh, as as Alex mentioned, there's 
there's a lot that, that still needs to happen as a result of uh, 21st Century Cures Act, Cures 1.0. Uh, so, you know, aside from those points, you know, there, there might be areas of law that you could reevaluate. We're using it as an opportunity. I think we had uh, 11 suggestions. So, yeah. Uh, so there's potential there. There could be some great <laughs> things to come out of the sequel. Yeah. She's growing. She's Yeah. You don't always know what you're going to get from a sequel, but we're hopeful. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of ideas that are out there. And one of them is the next, you know, connected health point I want to talk about, which is the Wear It Act. Yeah. We've been talking about We, we love the Wear It Act. Yes. We're, you know, Familiar. Removing, <laughs> removing the disadvantage in the tax code for connected devices and uh, software that help you manage chronic conditions or engage in preventive measures uh awesome. prevent. yeah so um you know we we suggested that the wear it act could be included in the cures 2.0 package um and uh we'll be meeting with folks in the ways and means committee going into 2020 uh members of the committee committee staff talk to them about the wear it act idea and try to move it forward next year that's uh, awesome it should be fun yeah it should be fun I'm sure it's something we'll talk about again in 2020, especially because we left the, the Word Act here in, in membership. So it's a great act that helps our members, both as patients and as employers, which is very cool. That's a great point. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Also, switching gears once more, there was a lot of activity around antitrust in 2019, including a lot of pretty high-level statements made by uh, candidates for the presidency. Uh, can great. we expect this to carry through 2020 as well? It, it definitely will. Um, the House Judiciary Committee embarked on an investigation of larger tech companies um, earlier this year. Uh, we testified in their second hearing on uh, on digital platforms. So, you know, the the inquiry is all about what is the impact on the entry of big tech platforms on the state of competition in markets like. Um, like the ones our member companies participate in. And, you know, our, our testimony focused on sort of the lower barriers to entry that platforms have helped produce. And, um, you know, uh, some of the some of the trust, trust mechanisms that platforms uh, have enabled. Uh, it used to be that it cost $10 million to start up a software company in the 1990s. Now you can get one off the ground for a $100,000 check. And part of that is because platforms have have lowered barriers to entry and uh, small companies have been able to offload a bunch of overhead on, on platforms. So um, that's been uh, sort of the character of our input in those in, in hearings like that. We also testified before the Small Business Committee, which was examining the same question. What What is the, I think the name of the hearing was, what's the impact of big tech on small companies? Yeah. Um, and so similar inquiries going on in different different committees and it's bipartisan. I think all members of Congress are, are at least a little bit interested in knowing more about about big tech because these are these are big companies, um, and there are really good things that they've done for the economy. Uh, and uh, and yet you've seen lots of negative headlines come out, and so members are just trying to be responsive to their constituents. I think there. Absolutely. Uh, the I think the report will come out in the middle of next year. I, yes. I think somewhere. Uh, but but uh, that's from the House Judiciary Committee. That's that is that is an official investigation that they that they've started, and so it will produce a report. I'm just not sure 
exactly what it will say or if it'll suggest different you know legislation to change u.s antitrust law mm -hmm. or um or if it will make suggestions that fall short of that i'm not sure it'll be interesting to see what happens in 2020 yeah it we're we're watching it closely and we're uh we're trying to help the the committees in in that regard you know they, they'll they all want to know what small companies think about it so well, that's what we're here for that's yeah, yeah that's why we're here that's why we're here yeah. <laughs> um and so to round out our 2020 predictions um maybe let's just talk uh, about patent legislation for a minute um so what good. is going on there what should we be thinking about or anticipating yeah the the sort of the big effort going on right now is the stronger patents act which makes some changes to to the law around patents that would undo some of the 2011 changes that uh, gave us better access to uh, patent review. So where you want to review the validity of a patent. Hmm. Uh, 2011 America Invents Act created the uh, Patent Trial and Appeal Board. It's the PTAB. What is fun. That is a fun one. <laughs> PTAB. Makes me think of pop. PTAB. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. PTAB. Uh, very refreshing. And, and uh, the PTAB is there to review the validity of a patent because so many broadly defined patents are out there, poorly defined patents. Um, the PTAB is necessary to ensure that the poor quality patents were weeded out. So the Stronger Patents Act would sort of um, uh, make that a lot less useful, uh, make, make the PTAB a lot less useful. And it would also um, sort of autom create a presumption that you can get an injunction for your patent, hmm. uh, even in cases where uh, the the piece of the patent that was infringed is a really tiny piece of a of a of a much larger product or service. Mm -hmm. or like say it's a smartphone. A smartphone has thousands of patents and thousands thousands on thousands of patent claims that are part of it let's imagine there's one of those claims that's infringed mm -hmm. imagine getting an injunction on the entire production of such a device it's probably not a great remedy usually yeah. a court will just um, decide that, that damages are, are a much better remedy and that the patent owner will be compensated fairly for for that piece of the um, of the uh, uh, of the device so um, and in that sort of presumption in favor of uh, injunctions, it's um, definitely would be a very costly one for all manufacturers uh, because uh, any, even if you own like a really tiny piece of something, you can hold up the, the production on the entirety of it. Yeah. So, um, so it's something to watch. For it's sure. something to watch. Yeah, and and it's it's gaining popularity, so we'll, we'll be busy pushing back and kind of explaining why it's not such a great thing for small companies. Absolutely. Um, and then I think uh, we couldn't not talk about standard essential patents briefly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we've done text bumps on them. Yeah. Um, so what what's to what what do we have to look forward to in twenty twenty around standard essential patents? I know five G yeah. comes up a lot. We talk about that. I think yeah. Um, that's the reason it's so important is that 5G is, it's, that standard is just kind of being finalized and the that standard, just like 4G, just like Wi-Fi, it's comprised of a bunch of different patents. And so the owners of those patents, uh, under current law, under current, current US law, they're required to license to any innovator that comes to them and wants to uh, create something that, that draws on the standard, mm -hmm. so something that connects to 5G. Um, 
in other words, they can't hold up those those manufacturers and say, well, I have a tiny piece of the, the 5G standard. You better pay me whatever I want because um, otherwise I'll get an injunction on you, for example. Um, that would not be good. You don't you don't want to you don't want to do that. Uh, so that's why you know we're we're making sure that U.S. law will continue to um, uh, put a stop to behavior like that because uh, that's anti-competitive. It's the basis of the Federal Trade Commission's case against uh, Qualcomm mm-hmm. that's ongoing right now. Watching it really closely, um, I think there's always efforts go- ongoing to go to Congress and get Congress to side with the standard essential patent owners Mm -hmm. and say, no, U.S. law has no role here. It's just a private negotiation Uh, because standard setting involves the um, collusion of a bunch of different companies. Mm -hmm. Inherently, competition law has a role. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's why, um, uh, you know, it should competition law should continue to uh, hold standard essential patent owners to their to the promises they make when they get adopted as part of a standard. Absolutely. So yeah, that involves going to Congress. It also involves we filed amicus briefs with the the court in the FTC Qualcomm case. Um, Our regulatory guy Brian, who is also a friend of the pod, uh, (laughs) has filed filed comments with uh, governments all over the world trying to ensure that uh, standards remain a safe a safe space. So. Well, that's great. 2020 will continue. A lot more work yeah. in 2020. So we were really busy in 2019. We're going to be really busy in 2020. I think so. Um, yeah. As always, we're going to need our members to, to get us where we need to go with this. You know, we really do this for them. And we do this, you know, thanks to all of our members listening for all of the work and all of the help that yep. they provide. Um, we couldn't do it without them. With that's and right. for. With and for. Yes. Um, well, cool. I think that's kind of... Anything else you want us to make sure to cover, Graham? I felt like that was like a really... I liked that Hillcast. Yeah, that's what we're calling it, Hillcast. Hillcast, Hill yes. Cast. I think that's it. I think, oh, um, facial recognition will come back. So oh, it's yes. The, it's another piece of privacy. Um, the technology it, it helps us unlock our phones right now. One of the big questions is, should law enforcement investigators be able to use it? If so, um, what are the rules they should live by in using it and make sure that, that all of that is consistent with the fourth amendment interesting so, congress is working on that right now um and uh so so it will definitely feature in 2020 it will come back and it'll be one of the top debates in the privacy space man hillcast 2020 covering hillcast it all 2020. yes <laughs> speak fast so we can get it all on there <laughs> Listen at 1.5. <laughs> yeah. Maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah. Crazy. Two. Yeah. Never done that before. But don't recommend. Don't recommend. <laughs> um, no, you'd miss too many of the great details. Yeah. They're important. Nuance. That's right. Facts. Um, Graham, thank you for joining us. Thanks we for having me. Appreciate your 2020 Hillcast. Thanks for having me. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I like to start with a question, end with a question, um, right. and I'm sure you'll be back in 2020 to tell us more. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'll be here. Well, great. All right, and now it's time for our random identifier. This is going to be random identifier, rapid fire edition. Ready? Caitlin, you're up. 
Brad and I are murderers. What the? <laughs> okay. That, that can't really be rapid because it needs explanation. Yeah, you nope. gotta explain That's it. it. That's All right. it. No, I'm just kidding. Brad, no, I'm not kidding. Brad and I are murderers. We've killed plants. No, they're not Very recently, yet. we got a plant and it couldn't even last a week before we overwatered it. And then we got another one and it got drowned to death. So... It's true. Not I think well. that they're still going to make it. This is like Monty Python and that knight who like won't die. This is these plants. Oh, they're gonna come back. cut off all the limbs. Yep. And... I'm still not dead yet. Which is like relevant because I took off a bunch of the leaves today that were dead. But just the leaves, not the plant. Okay, again, Brad, Caitlin, murderers. Murderers. Perfect. High level. Brad right. and Caitlin are murderers. <laughs> Brad? Twin Peaks at the Black Cat. Great show. Had a blast. Please Black Hat, one of the great venues in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. Rock and roll. Dance it was your first time there? It was. Twin Peaks, favorite band? Well, uh, of sweat. the favorite brand, band. They're like in the pantheon, yeah. so to speak. They're definitely in the conversation. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, what do you have? going to be. Oh my God, really? <laughs> right <laughs> fire. was in my brain. I just lost. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, mine is simple, which is that... Um, end of 2019 Spotify um and other places they're giving you lists of what you listen to and I just want to say I am not a sad person so just because (laughs) my top artists are all sad acoustic musicians does not mean that I only listen to sad acoustic music except that mine were like sad 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 and then Post Malone (laughs) (laughs) well Post Malone so for my 2018 wrap up the it told you the first song you listened to of the year and mine was I Fall Apart by Post Malone amazing what was I going through (laughs) you were having a great Great start to the year. <laughs> yeah. Grim. Okay, guys, that's it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And of course, we want to give a shout out to Brad Goodall, who composed the podcast Awesome Music. Thanks, Brad. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we'd love a rate and review. Five stars only, please. <laughs> That's it for today, folks. Um, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, enjoy the end of your 2019, and we'll see you in 2020. Everyone say bye. Bye. bye.